Really glad to have you here today. And I just want to say to all of you who came to Beulah Beach uh, last uh, Sunday night, we had, I don't know, maybe 800 to 1,000 people there. I don't know, how do they count a Jesus day when they're like 5,000 men plus women and children? Was the disciples going after they passed out the bread, like, you know, counting everybody? But we had 63 people get baptized. It was just a fantastic night and uh, so good. Lots of stories of life change and transformation and just going, God, you are so good and forgiving and capable and God, we, we honor you. In fact, we like to hear more stories. We thought it'd be cool to just sort of as part of our worship as a church family to say, what if we just you know, had some stories we could highlight in a variety of ways? And so you're gonna see on the screen here uh, a couple of ways to be in touch that you can go to the QR code on your armrest, tap share my story. And, and do that, you can go to gracemay.org, my story, or send that email. But we'd love to hear what's an evidence in your life of God at work. Like maybe there's a relationship. You're like, I thought it was like done with and God has brought forgiveness and healing. Maybe it's overcoming addiction, how you came to know Jesus, you experienced healing or strength in the midst of like a, a, a trial, God's provision for you in some way. Or how you found joy in serving and meaning just like, wow, I've started doing this and I love you know, making this happen. Or maybe you're part of a small group or a class. We'd love to hear your story. It can just be like a paragraph or two. And, uh, and if, you, if we get your permission, uh, maybe we'll share it in an upcoming message or uh, a video or whatever it may be so that we can just say together that God is good all the time and all the time. We gotta try it one more time. All the time, God is good, and, all, and God is good all the time, and all the time. There you go, all right, great, great, great. All right, well, let's dig into our topic for today, learning from failure. We've all heard history teachers say that those who don't learn from history are what? Destined to repeat it, right? And so it's good for us to, to look back and to learn from failure, not only our own, but the failure of others, and we do ourselves a huge disservice if we just sort of blow through the warning signs we don't pay attention. Last month, Mary and I met our kids at a national park. We had a blast together hiking and just hanging out, making meals together, playing games. And it was a wonderful week, but there was this one experience that was sobering for us, and it was we were on this two-lane road, and it's like one of these like 60 miles an hour, and there's just, you know, one lane each way. And we see this marker on the side of the road, this cross, like the one you see there on the screen. And you've seen those, right? You're driving a 480, there's one on 480 and 71 there, and there's other places, and often you're, and you're, but for us, what became more sobering is that in the next two miles, I think we counted 11 markers. And our hearts were like, we were like, wow. Like one, like, what's the story of that person? Was there some kind of weather incident? Like what, like this is the place right here that they encountered and, and were ushered into their eternal home. And what happened and what was the story? They're riding along like we are and maybe at the national park and they're driving, they're having laughing and, and, and something happened. And when you see the marker on the road, there's something about it. you go, wow, that's, this was a, a place that had become sacred for some family members. And while I'm driving, I better be what? Careful. Right? You learn. 
You learn that it serves as a warning, these markers that go by. And, and it's what Paul does in the book of 1 Corinthians where he says, not trying to be a downer, but this is what love does, that, that you love shows concern and warns people and goes, hey, I love you enough to tell you, I want you to be careful. And so in this book, Paul has various markers along the way. He goes, hey, I want you to be careful. And let me just, the, the letter that he writes here is full of them. We're gonna zero in on one today, but in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, hey, I want you to build Christian community carefully because, or else your work might be wasted in the end. Just after that, he warns us, don't hurt God's church, whether through gossip or division or whatever, because if you do, you're gonna pay a price. In chapter five, he goes, if there's like really obvious sin happening around you, you better deal with it or it's gonna spread like an infection. In chapter six, he warns us to leave behind sexual sin and, and greed and, and stealing. He goes, if you want to inherit God's kingdom. In chapter eight, we looked at that a couple weeks ago. He said, hey, watch out for the behaviors like what you eat and drink and other things you do to make sure that your freedom doesn't cause newer believers in Jesus to drift away or to be led back into something that you know just messes up the relationship with God. In chapter nine, he goes, run the race God has given you. Give it your all so that you're not disqualified from the prize that the Lord has waiting for you at the end. It's a warning. And in chapter 11, we're gonna see Next week, he's talking about communion, how you take the bread and the cup, and he goes, I want to make sure that you honor Jesus and other people as you take the Lord's Supper, the elements of the bread and the cup. He says, because if you, if you really just do it thoughtlessly, he says, you can be disciplined, in fact, with even sickness and death. Paul doesn't hold back, does he? But by far the longest and most dramatic warning that he gives us in this letter is, is the one we're gonna look at today, and it's chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, can you turn me to chapter 10? And if you don't have a paper Bible with you, the Bible app is a great app, and, uh, and, and you can check out over 1,800 languages in the Bible, of the Bible there. And message notes as well, you can get online, gracemeet.org, or those of you here, um, you uh, maybe got those on the table on, on the way in. Just wanna say uh, hi to all of our friends at uh, other campuses. You guys at Lorraine Correctional, uh, very grateful for you. And others of you engaging, talked to someone yesterday, watch, watching from Toronto and others. Uh, we love you and look forward to seeing you in person. Here's the aim of our scripture passage today. Paul holds up memorials, these markers, and, and it's as if he wants us to pause and to go, you know what? I want you to watch out because this devastated someone and and I want better for you. I want you to be careful. Victory is possible. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful that God is patient with me, with all of us. And, and, I, and I, I want to say, you, if, as we're talking through this, you might go, I have made such a mess in my life. Like I have, I was talking to a guy in the lobby, he goes, if I told you my story, you wouldn't want to talk to me right now. And I go, no, no, that's, that's what the gospel is, is that no matter what your story is, that uh, Jesus brings healing and restoration. Where are you going to go from today. And that's what Paul would tell us. So let's start with the theme verse here in this chapter. It's one you've maybe heard of, but we're gonna look at the context of it, but it's verse 13. And I'd like for us to say this together aloud, okay? So you'll see it here on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, and let's, let's read that together. Ready? If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. 
The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Here's what Paul's saying about all of us who believe. He's going, you think you're standing firm? He's going, you, you all are extraordinarily privileged, and at the same time, you all have the capacity for devastating failure. And so Paul, twice in this chapter, he says, these things I'm gonna tell you were written down, like Old Testament followers of God were written down as warnings for us. They're warnings. So what do we learn from that? Well, Paul, for starts, illustrates how every follower of God today, like if you're a follower of Jesus today, you're incredibly privileged. Just like the people in Paul's day, the people who lived, you know, back in the time that Paul's going to talk about here, we're all extraordinarily privileged. Let me read the first four verses and listen to what Paul says. It might seem a little bit confusing, but listen for the three-letter word that he repeats four times. Here's what he says. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. You might go, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. Hang in there for just one second. What Paul's saying is this. He's going, friends, from the very beginning, anybody who's followed God, you, them, today, us, you're like really privileged. You're blessed that you've received so many benefits. He goes, it's not just for some believers. What's the three-letter word he used four times? All. He goes, it's all of us. Like it's you today. And what Paul does for us is he connects you and me with believers back in the time of Moses, and he makes these historical connections, which might seem a little bit opaque. So let's just highlight the connection he's making. Verse one, he talks about the cloud. They were all under the cloud. What does he mean by that? Remember how back uh, in the time of in the Exodus, the people of Israel, they're probably two million strong, they come through the Red Sea out of enslavement, they come into the wilderness where they're going to wander about for 40 years, and how do they know when to pick up their tent stakes and move to the next campsite? It's whenever what was overhead. The cloud, and the cloud would move. They'd go, hey, folks, time to go. Pull up your stakes. We're moving today. And at night, it was a pillar of what? A fire. And he goes, that cloud was always there. And the presence of the cloud was the presence of whom? Of God. He's like, God was always with him, and he's always with you, like you're never alone. Every moment of today, when you leave here today and you're driving your car, even if you're driving away alone, or you know, those of you engaged in online, you, you head out to whatever, you, you go out to the metro parks, or you're heading out with friends, or wherever, and, and you just go, I'm never alone. There's not one situation this week where I'm gonna be by myself, because I know that, He's always with me. Just as the cloud was always with them, you have the presence of God if you put your trust in Jesus, not only with you, but, but in you. Then he says, verse one, they all passed through the sea. And in that way, it says, verse two, they were all baptized into Moses. For us, you could say, we're closely related to Jesus through baptism. Like we're in Christ. 
It says that they were baptized into Moses, which means that Moses was their mediator between them and, and God, right? So Moses was like their one, he'd go up the mountain, you bring down the Ten Commandments. In the same way for you and for me today, between us and, and our Father God, we have our mediator and his name is, is Jesus, right? And so when you and I are baptized, we're baptized into Jesus. And just as the people in that day were baptized like in the Red Sea, they came through the Red Sea as a symbol. It was out of enslavement. You and I, when we're baptized, it's a symbol that we've been set free from our past, from oppression of the enemy, from our enslavement to sin, and we are now able to walk in freedom and in victory because of Jesus. He goes, not only is God always with you, but you have a relationship with Christ that's sealed by baptism. By the way, it's a great time to give a plug here. Our next baptism service is November 19th, and we will not be doing it in Lake Erie that day. Uh, we'll do it uh, here. And so, and at Lorraine Correctional, we, we're having a baptism soon for you guys, and we would love to celebrate with you as you take that step. You check our website or call the church office. So we have these privileges. Jesus is always with us. He's rescued us, set us free from the grip of the enemy. And then Paul mentions another privilege, number three. Verse three says, they all drank the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. <clears throat> what does he mean? He's talking about the manna. Remember that they're, they're out in the wilderness and they, they're, they're not able to like plant crops or anything. And so God sends manna from the sky and they go around picking up, you know, manna. And then at least for part of the time, they got their water out of a what? Out of a rock. It was real water and real bread, but it came from heaven, so there was like a supernatural element. And he says, just as they had the supernatural food, he goes, you as well, he's gonna talk in the end of this chapter, he's saying, you have spiritual food and spirit. What is he talking about? He's saying, you have the word of God, which is like spiritual bread, and you have communion. Uh, the Lord's Supper. Almost every Bible scholar that I read on this passage made the connection between communion and, and what these people experienced in the Old Testament. And, and really in each one of these, baptism, and, and he, it's, this, it's really saying you, if you've put your trust in Jesus, he's with you, you've been set free, you're forgiven, you've got the spiritual food that you get to like just the ongoing strength from God that you can have. I want to ask you a question. Is that true for you? Like, have, have you personally put your trust in Jesus? Because the reality is that your mom or dad or whoever, if they were really religious, we don't get to heaven because of our parents. We can't get to heaven because of our spouse. We can't get, we get to heaven or we have a relationship with God by saying, Jesus, I'm like a, a mess in your eyes. Like I have sin and failure in my life, but you came and you died in my place. And Jesus, I put my trust in you. Would you come into my life, take your rightful place of leadership, forgive me, make me part of your family. God, I wanna belong to you. I trust you. What I can never do for myself, you've done for me. And that is to make me a child of the heavenly father. God, thank you. Have you taken that step? And if you have, do you realize how privileged you are to be one of his family to say whatever happens in this life? I walk with people through tragedy all the time. This was one of those weeks where I just go, wow, I emotionally, like, I feel this weight 
And I came back to the other day, just in Romans chapter eight, verse 18, when Paul says this comment, he goes, this is not in my notes, I'm just, I'm going off the rails for team, sorry. But he says, the suffering that you have today does, cannot compare, cannot compare with the glory that you will have one day. There are sometimes, I don't know what else to tell a person because they have devastation in their life and all I can say is, God has another chapter for you. And it may not be till you see him face to face. But you as a follower of Jesus, when you put your trust in him, all I can tell you, I don't have answers for you maybe today, but all I can tell you is in the end, Jesus wins. And if you know him, he's gonna be with you to the end. You have an amazing privilege as one of his followers, but, but Paul says, you also have an enemy. And he says, I want you to be warned because there's a lot of people who have gone before you that had the same benefits. In Moses' day, in our day, he goes, you not only are extraordinarily privileged, you have the capacity for devastating failure and I don't want that to happen to you. Here's what he says in verse five. Look at this. This is the sobering conclusion. He goes, God was not pleased with what? With most of them. He wasn't pleased with most of his followers. Imagine if that was said about us today. God was not pleased with Jonathan. I go, I don't want that to happen to me. So how did it happen to them? Paul tells us in verse six, let's pick it up there. He goes, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. In other words, they didn't really care what God thought. They just did whatever they wanted. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Here are the four failures. If you're looking at your notes, you'll see on the screen that Paul mentions in verse seven, he talks about idolatry. This is when other things that are meant to be, even if they're good gifts, it's not always like a Buddha statue or something. It could be your, you know, the car you really treasure or a hobby or a relationship or anything that you begin to allow to become the ultimate thing in your life and Jesus is pushed to the outer edge. And you begin to make relationships based on what this other person in your life wants or what, even if it means dishonoring Jesus, he goes, that's idolatry. He mentions sexual immorality. Whenever we go out of bounds with the gift of sex that God has given us, this amazing gift, and, and it could be premarital sex or, or pornography or an affair or whatever, anything that we're going off the rails with, what God says is meant to be a gift used in the safety of a marriage. The next one doesn't seem like that serious of a sin, but it must be to God because he talks about testing the Lord. He goes, is it wrong for me to just question God? Like, God, why are you allowing that? No, it's not wrong to do. Job did that. Other people have done that. David the psalmist did that. He was a man after God's own heart. But if there's this sense of I'm shaking my fist at God and I'm just bitter and it's just this unrelenting bitterness toward God, that I go, God, I... He goes, it's testing the Lord. We, we don't believe that God in the end writes the final chapter. And that led to grumbling, the next one here, uh, where people complained and, and whined instead of giving thanks. And I've listed in your notes where you can find each of these historical failures in the Old Testament. What's interesting to note is the discipline for these uh, was 
for some people was death. In verse 80, it says 23,000 people died because of sexual sin. Verse nine, lots of them died from snake bites because they tested the Lord. In verse 10, many were killed by an angel because of their grumbling. Aren't you grateful God doesn't like, it's not that severe today? You know, if you're like, you're driving down the road and the kids are grumbling in the back, you go, hey kids, you know what happened to people in the Old Testament when they started acting like you guys? You better watch out, all right? It's, it's the kind of thing where we go, God, we know you take this seriously. Thank you for being gracious to us. But Paul's going, you know what happens? These kind of things, these are warnings that derail your relationship with God. And he's like, I don't want that to happen to you. Not just because of the potential discipline, but because you love Jesus. You're like, Jesus, you've done so much for me. I don't want to wound your heart. That's one of why we, our first you know, thing as a part of our statement as a church, we say we want to be disciples, make disciples who exalt Jesus by, by we love him. Lord, we love you. We, we, want to, we want to be those who honor you and please you. And so we look at memorials to failures in the past and we go, I don't want to go there. I, I don't want to crash like that. You know what? Here's the good news. We don't have to. We don't, we don't have to stumble and fall like these, like these uh, people do. We can be, it says God was not pleased with how many of them? Most of them. That means that there were what? Some of them who really pleased God. We can be those people. So here's what Paul says. He makes it clear in verse 11. He goes, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. And you know what Paul says next? He offers this huge dose of encouragement to every one of us. He, it's this, you don't have to accept failure. You don't have to give in. You don't have to be a, a marker on the side of the road where people go, oh, wow, that person, look at them. They fell off, they got off the rail. You don't have to be that kind of a person. Listen to what Paul says in verse 13 again. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Three encouraging guarantees about the temptations we face. Guarantees that you can take with you this week. Look what he says, three phrases right in a row. First, you are not alone. That means every temptation you encounter has been faced by others. That, that he's saying that to encourage us. You and I have never faced a temptation that's brand new. Satan doesn't have that many tricks in his bag. So every temptation that comes your way, um, there have been people just like us who have been tempted like that and have come out on top. I remember hearing from a guy uh, who attends Seven Pillars uh, here at Grace which is a group for guys who want to find sexual, who live with sexual integrity. And in fact, we're starting a group for women here in the next uh, few months. And, and here's, here's what he wrote. He says, it's been so good for me to be on the journey with all these other guys. In my shame, the enemy wanted me to feel like I was all alone. Coming to a group, let me bring my stuff into the light. I realized I'm not alone. And I began hearing victory stories from guys ahead of me in the journey. That's the power of being connected with others. You realize I'm not alone. Mary and I we were with a couple uh, just in the last couple of weeks, and they told us, they go, one of the reasons we're a grace is because it's okay to admit that you're not a finished product. 
that, that life can be messy at times, and we found a church home where you can be honest about where you are. You don't have to pretend that you're like, you have it all put together. I love hearing comments like that, and I think Jesus, who was a friend of sinners himself, would be cheering us on and saying, I already know about your stuff. You can be honest as you continue to become more like me. Here's the big point. You're not alone. Not only that, Paul says, God is faithful. He will not let you, the temptation, be more than you can stand. You, you could say it this way. God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. In other words, you're going to face temptation. That's a given in this world. But you will never face a temptation that by God's grace is unbeatable. Never. He says it just won't happen. You can count on it. God is faithful. And then number three, God will always give you a way of escape. Victory is possible. You see what Paul's getting at here? A lot of us know this verse, but we've been, we haven't been real familiar with the context. And Paul says, I'm going to tell you about the failures of people over the centuries. And, and he knows that Christians might go, well, you know what? I guess failure is just part of the territory. Defeat is inevitable. And Paul goes, no. No, defeat is not inevitable. Absolutely not. No, God will always provide a way out. Have you been to the ocean um, and you're driving along and, and you see something like that right there? And, and if, you, if you're there during hurricane season, you're, you're like, I'm glad that I'm not going to wind up on a row where I'm like, I don't know if this is, you know, am I going to wind up at a dead end or something like that? They say, this is the way out. If, you, if there's a hurricane coming, we have evacuation routes. You're going to be okay. And that's essentially what Paul's saying here. He's going, there's an evacuation route for you every time you're tempted. Now, you might go, what does it look like in practical terms? It might mean that you begin to go to a recovery group. You go, I don't have time for that. No, you're not making time for that, but you do have time for that. And so you go to Keys to Recovery. You go to one of the other recovery groups here at Grace, like Galvanize or something else. Maybe you see a Christian counselor and you say, I need to talk about what are the triggers for my, this anger that just, I, I, it's uncontrolled. You know, I, I don't want to be like that. Or some other issue in your life that you give into temptation and you talk with someone and go, can you help me to diagnose what's going on in my life? It might mean changing your viewing habits on Netflix or Hulu. It could mean avoiding certain places where you know that you're just more vulnerable to temptation. Maybe it's alcohol. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with individuals and they go, man, I, this is what happened. I'll go, tell me what happened before that. And how many people, it started with a drink. And it, and it lowers your inhibitions and you become more vulnerable. And, and you say, I've got to be careful. For me, I often use that acrostic halt. Remember those four? I've got to be really careful when I'm what? Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. The problem with the H is I always feel like I'm hungry, right? <laughs> and so, but all four of those to go, hey, I've got to be careful. And if there's two or three of those combined, I know I'm going to be more vulnerable. Someone said one of the best ways to have, to walk in victory with Jesus is to get at least seven hours of sleep a night. Now, if some of you are like new parents, you're like, that's not possible for me right now. And I got to work on the other ones. But to say, I need to be looking, what's my evacuation route? Take an honest look at the triggers that often come before failure and, and say, God, um, would you help me to take the way out? You're faithful. God, I don't, I don't want to be one of those who crashes and burns. Here's what we know for sure. God will provide a way. That's his promise. You 
can win the battle against temptation. I can win the battle against temptation. Would you say that out loud with me? You ready? I can win the battle against temptation. You might need to say that 10 more times because the enemy's been lying to some of you saying, oh no, no, you're, you're gonna give in. Just, just wait. You're, you, that's just who you... No, that's a lie. All members of God's family are incredibly blessed. Some end up not pleasing him. You don't have to be one of those. You can be one who says, God, by your grace... I want to walk in victory. I realize in a room this size that there, there's a lot of defeat. Some of you are feeling really discouraged right now, and you might feel like you've failed a lot. You're like, I'm in church today, but I, I, I don't feel like I'm a very good Christian, you know? What if you started today and said, God, I want this to be a new day? I take you at your word, you're faithful, I'll never be tempted beyond what I can handle. And you'll always provide a way out. And you just sort of had a new act of surrender today and said, God, I want today to be my day. He loves to take people who think they're hopelessly lost and he loves to rescue them. People who feel like they're spiritually dead and he makes them vibrantly alive. And so the choice is yours. Will you walk with him and trust him for victory? And then there's some of you who today you're like, man, I'm doing awesome, you know, things are going great. Can I just, just a, a little warning that Paul says, so if you think you're standing firm, he's especially talking to us. Like I might feel like I'm, things are going well. He goes, be careful. You're driving down the road of life and you're going, this is amazing, we're doing great. I haven't had an accident in, 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 in you know, 23 years. And he goes, you're still vulnerable. Be careful. Stay close to Jesus. Friends, God will help you write new chapters of victory if you'll trust in him. So will you take the step he's prompting you to take and say, God, here I am. With your help, victory is possible. I'm rooting for you. More than that, the spirit of God, when you invite him, he's at work in your life and victory is possible. Would you pray with me and let's ask him to make that true in our lives. Let's pray together. I wonder for starts, if wherever you'd say temptation is most likely for you, can you just say right now, Jesus, I, 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 wanna, I want to walk in victory. Jesus asked the one person, he said, what do you want me to do for you? Can you just tell Jesus right now, Jesus, I want to walk in victory. I want to overcome. Show me the way out. God, you promised that. Show me the way out. And Spirit of Jesus, would you give me the strength to make the decision to take that way? I can't do it on my own. So Lord, here we are. Because we love you, we want to obey you. We want to honor you. We don't want to wind up as some memorial on the side of the road, the spiritual disaster. So keep us close. Lord, we offer ourselves to you. We want to be all yours, all in, fully devoted to you. So Lord, thank you for receiving us. Thank you for giving us another shot 
Strengthen us, we pray. Today and all the days ahead, we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Hey, would you stand with me? Let's declare we want our testimony to be one of victory in Jesus.